Listen, if I'd known then what I know now, there would have been room in my inn. Oy vey, I would have given up my own bed. But I didn't know. How could I know, right? Now, Bethlehem was so full of people. I mean, the government, they, they, you know, made everybody in the world go back to the hometown and register, you know, government has to have the money. And since nobody wants to stay with their in-laws, I'm full. I remember that day. We, um, we were full before dinner time, and now it's two, three hours after dinner when they show up. Talk about desperate. He, he was exhausted and scared, and she, oh, she was about to burst. And as they're approaching my place, I'm thinking in my head, I know what I'll say to them. I'll say, I'm sorry, we don't have room. But by the time they get there, they just stand for a minute, gather their thoughts. He looks down, he's thinking. I notice she winces ever so slightly in pain. And he looks at me and he says, please. That's all he said, please. Let me tell you a story. I'm five years old, right? I'm helping my mother set the table. I noticed that she has one too many plates. So I say to her, Ma, you got one too many plates. You know, and she says back to me, you never know who may show up. I look at her like, what? She walks over to me. She says, you never know who God may bring your way, you always make room. <laughs> so, I look back at the couple and I say to them, I don't know where we'll put you, but we'll make room for you. And we did. It wasn't the nicest room, but it's all I had to give them. Mom was right. You always make room. those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Have you ever in your life invited people over to your house, had the family come over, and all of a sudden there's more people than you have pillows and beds to provide for them to sleep? Have you been there before? 
I remember when I was growing up and they'd say, well, is it okay if we bring so-and-so or can so-and-so come? And, you know, they've got three kids. And I remember hearing literally my parents say, bring them, tell them to come because we're going to throw pillows and blankets on the floor. Have you ever been there? We're going to make room for them. We always thought it was great as kids because we looked at it like we were camping out, if you remember that. Have you ever gone on a trip out of town and you're pretty far, you're too far to call a relative or someone to come pick you up and you have car trouble or for some reason you can't return, you stayed late at that meeting or whatever and you're out of town but you don't have reservations at a hotel and you start driving around in that city looking for a room to stay. Have you ever been there? And you're looking for one that's affordable, one that even has a vacancy. I remember in the early 90s, there was a hurricane that came through right just, uh, just east of Lafayette, if y'all remember, and came right through this area. And at that time, Caleb was just a little bitty, bitty kid. I think he was still in diapers, and I, he was frightened. And so I, I told June, I said, look, I don't want everyone miserable here at the house, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to leave and we're going to head out toward Texas. We had family in that direction. And we got in our 84 Olds Delta 88 with a water pump that was going clack, 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 clack. me and June and, and their mama and Caleb, and we took off for Texas, bumper to bumper all the way, all day and into the night, bumper to bumper. And we ended up in Dayton, Texas, near Houston, and we found a little Bonnie and Clyde, I call it, a little Bonnie and Clyde, not a hotel, a motel, the kind you drive in front of your room, you know what I'm talking about? There was one bed in there. It wasn't the cleanest, wasn't the fanciest place, but we had a roof over our head, and I thank God for that room. Have you ever been there before in your life? No place to stay. I remember in the mid-70s working for the railroad, driving to Orange, Texas on what they call an outline job, the Orange Switcher from Lafayette to Orange, Texas in a 1967 Volkswagen with no radio and, and no air conditioning. Again, noise all the way to Orange, Texas every day. Went to work between 3.30 and 4.30 every afternoon, and we worked till 3.30 and 4.30 the next morning, a long 12 hours when you work from the afternoon into the morning of the next day. And then I would get in my Volkswagen and I would drive back home and do the same thing. On one particular day, we had worked extra long and it had taken him a long time to come pick us up for the carry-all to come get us, for the, for the driver to come. And he was a very nice man. For years, he had been driving and picking crews up and all. And you get to know these people. And that particular night, I was so exhausted. And this, this nice man looked at me and he said, son, he said, if, if, if you don't want to drive all the way back to Lafayette, he said, just, he said, look, I have an extra room in my house. And he said, if you'd like to come, you can come and stay there. Anytime you'd like to stay and I was so tired. I had no money. In those days, you didn't carry credit cards. Nobody had credit cards. Remember those days? And, and I said, I, that would be so wonderful. Thank you so much. And I went to his house, a very modest home, not much in the home, and went in and laid down and fell asleep. I was so, so thankful for that. He had made room for me in his inn. The Bible says that we are to open our doors to strangers and help foreigners and to do the same that this man did for me because it says in the scripture that in doing so that we may be entertaining angels. Now, I was no angel in that day, 
But I tell you what, I believe that God blessed that man for what he did. Why do we not do that today? Why don't we hear those stories too much anymore? I think probably because of fear, probably a little bit of laziness, probably because self and selfishness has entered into our world so much. As we look at these two next characters and how they apply to our lives, please understand that when you look at a manger scene, when you look and think about Christmas or sing songs that we're going to sing even again today about Christmas, think about these characters because, as I said last week, we, you, are these characters. Nothing has changed. We are the people. God wants us to be the man that we just saw who says, you know, I really didn't have much room, but my mother always said, make room because you don't know who God is sending your way for you to make room in the end of your life. See, there's a physical end and then there's a spiritual heart end, isn't there? And who does God want you to make room in your life? Let's look a little bit closer. How does this innkeeper story apply to our lives? I believe that first of all, we have to learn that before an inn, a physical inn is open, it starts with an open heart. Your heart has to be open. Colossians 3 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Listen to me, dear ones. Listen, before we make room in our life, in the end, we have to make room in our hearts. There's got to be a heart of compassion. There's got to be something happening inside your heart before it goes into action. What does this word compassion really mean? It means literally to feel someone's pain, to sense their despair, to understand their hurt and their place where they are. As we saw the man on the film, he said, and then he looked at me and said, please, at that point, I believe that this innkeeper's heart was changed. And then he opened the door so they could even use the manger. I remember one time having a conversation with my first pastor, Brother Francis. And we were talking about some people who had done some stuff and, and everything. And he looked at me, and it was actually toward him. And he looked at me and he said, they're hurting, Marsh. They're hurting. He saw hurting people. I remember the story about one of my aunts who's an adopted aunt who actually was adopted by my grandparents and, and, and literally changed her name. She was adopted legally. And my father had gone in Kaplan to do a job and he went and he found two abandoned children. I, if I, the story, if I remember correctly, they were sitting in the bathtub and he found these two abandoned children and my grandparents ended up adopting her. She's my aunt till today. My grandfather, his, his dear friend, uh, was, was laying on his deathbed and looked at my grandfather and said, would you please raise my son? That son became my uncle. He took him in. In those days, you had porches around your house, you know, very often around most of the house. And they closed in one side of the house and made him a bathroom, a bedroom, and a little kitchenette. And with a door that opened into the main part of the house, he'd have to go bathe in the main part. But he was my uncle. And they opened up their home. To him, I remember when my mother 
had her stroke and, 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 and at first she was going to physical hospitals and then physical therapy at Camelot and everything else. And June said, Marshall, you have your shop in the backyard, 24 by 24. Let's turn it into an apartment so that your mom can come and we'll figure out some kind of method, even if it's 10 cans to talk back and forth to her if she needs anything. Listen, friends, I know some of you who have done these things in your home and in your life and in your heart and you've opened up your life You've opened up the end of your life. And when you do that for someone else, you're doing it for Jesus Christ. For when you have done this to the least of mine, you do it unto me. And he says you have done well when you do these type things. Where has that gone today? But I believe that if you open up your heart and open up your life as this innkeeper opened up his end. I believe that if you do that, that God will bless you richly and he will use you mightily. Psalm 41 in the New King James says, Blessed is he who considereth the poor. Blessed is he who considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in times of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive and he will be blessed on earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. And you will sustain him on his sick bed. I believe that that innkeeper that allowed them to stay, Mary and Joseph, and give birth in, in that manger, in that feeding born. I believe that that innkeeper was blessed and he became a blessed man. And I believe that within a year or two, I believe he had to expand the walls of his inn. And I believe he had to build two or three more mangers. And I believe that actually his last name was Hilstenstein. And he opened up the Hebrew Hilton chain. And I believe he's the originator of Hilton Hotels. Because God's word says that you will be blessed when you open up the door of your heart and of your inn. To those who are in need. Listen. Remember this Christmas. That God is looking for willing vessels. To bless his people. To bring forth his heart. To those who have nothing. Just as we saw in the film. You want this to be the best Christmas you've ever had? Raise your hand. You want to have the best Christmas you've ever had? The most memorable Christmas? You want to have a Christmas that the rest of your life you say, remember that year. You want to have one of those? Raise your hand, church. Come on, dear ones. Who wants a good Christmas? I'm not talking about malls. I'm not talking about stacks of presents under a tree. I'm not talking about going, getting stuck in traffic. I'm not talking about raising big bills that you had to take two years to pay back. Who wants to have the best Christmas you've ever had in your life, in your heart of hearts? Who wants the best one? Well, let me tell you something. Go visit people in the hospital. Go to the nursing home and visit someone and sing Christmas carols to those people. Go Christmas Eve to the hospital if you know someone in the hospital. And even if you don't, and if you play guitar, you can sing a song. If you don't, just sing a song. They don't care what your voice sounds like. And you will have the best Christmas you have ever had in your life because you will be opening up the doors of your heart and to your end. Why make room? Because he who lives in you wants to bless others through you. God had been silent for 400 years. We knew because we were listening in a sense. My job 
My job is to listen. You wouldn't call a person that talks a lot a wise man, would you? No, you'd call them many, many, many things, but a wise man wouldn't be one of them. My position is to look for signs everywhere. A star, for example. I can look at a star and watch it and wait and see what the star is trying to tell us. I read one time of a star that would announce a new king. And then one day, there it was. A beacon in the night. A star-like, unlike any other star I'd ever seen before. And so, I followed it. Several of us, we followed this star. It was bizarre. The star would lead, it would move, and we would follow. Our journey took two years, and it led us to Judea. And then the star stopped. It just stopped. Shining down over this small cottage, our journey ended not at a palace for a king, but at a home for a peasant. This was it. I mean, we gathered our thoughts, we gathered our gifts, we did all that we could do to contain our emotion. And behind those doors was a new king. A king that could command the stars in the sky and yet chose to dwell among us. A king that spoke and the word became flesh. God was finished being silent. That night, we knelt. We bowed down before this baby boy. And each one of us laid gifts at his feet. We had to, we couldn't help it. 400 years of silence broken by the cries of the Son of God. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way in the, 
And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I remember watching a biography of a man that I grew up watching on television. His name was Ed McMahon. He was the sidekick to Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson was the second to take over The Tonight Show and almost for 30 years was the host of The Tonight Show before Jay Leno. He gave Jay Leno his break and David Letterman their break. How many of you in here ever remember watching Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show? And Ed McMahon was his sidekick and became famous for the, the publisher's clearing house. And they interviewed him, did a biography on him, what made him so successful and how did he reach the, the, the plateaus in life that he had, a very wealthy, influential man. And this was his answer, and it jumped out at me. He said, I latched on to a star and never turned loose. Church, listen to me again. He said, I latched on to a star and never turned loose. What wisdom, what wisdom and how closely does that wisdom apply to the film that we just saw of this wise man? You see, Ed McMahon, if you remember the show, he didn't say much. He sat in the chair and every time Johnny Carson would say a joke, he was the straight man. He would just do the little questions and things to lead him on to get to the punchline and he would laugh. He wasn't the star but he recognized a real star early on and followed him for almost 30 years. And it led him to fame and to honor and to wealth. What a great type or shadow of us as Christians and the wisdom that we should have. Listen, church, we have a star who is far more dynamic, far more charismatic, much cleverer and more powerful than Johnny Carson or David Letterman or Jay Leno. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we should latch on to that star and not turn loose for the rest of our life. The wisest thing that we could do, as this wise, wise man said, is to follow the star of David. You see, wisdom isn't necessarily a high IQ. Wisdom doesn't mean degrees upon degrees or even position. Simply put, wisdom is knowing how to apply God's word to our life, to every situation and to every problem. Who couldn't use a big injection of wisdom right now on the job, in their family, in life choices, and all of the things that we go through in our life? Have you ever heard this expression? You know, what would be the wisest thing for me to do now? Have you ever thought that? Lord, I need wisdom now. Have you ever spoken that? Have you ever gone to two or three people and said, what do you think I should do? The Bible says there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel and that we should Listen to those people who are elders and, 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 and who know the word of God. 
Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You see, some theologians believe that these magi, these wise men, were astrologers, and they had been waiting for this sign, for this star to come, to bring in the arrival of, and it says in Scripture, the king of the Jews. They understood that this star that they saw would, would guide them to the king of kings, to the lord of lords. They knew that this was the first real beginning of something really powerful and something really new. The beginning of a God real in time, if you would. So they followed this star and they came to Jesus Christ. God incarnate. God on earth. And it didn't frighten them or dissuade them because it was a small baby in a crib, in a manger, in a feeding born. They latched on to that star and they didn't turn loose. And our word today is for us to latch on to the star of David, to the king of kings, to the Lord of glory, to the creator of the universe, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus who came to earth, God coming to earth. And that is Christmas time, the birth of Jesus Christ. We can also learn to apply to our life lessons and application from this wise man. Listen to me. We've all heard it before, but it's so true. Wise men still listen to him. Wise men still listen to him. Psalm 111 and James 1.5. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. All who follow his precepts will have good understanding. James 1. Any of you lack wisdom? All he has to do is ask God. And believe when you ask that he will give it to you. Do not pray as, a, as someone unbelieving. For he is a man as waves tossed by the wind. And surely will receive nothing for he is double minded. Believe. Say Lord I remember June and I going up. We had been getting involved in ministry at Family Life Church and I remember going up and, and asking for prayer and we went up to Larry Gates and we said Larry we need wisdom for this we're jumping into something very serious here and he said well God's word says if you want it just ask for it and he will give it liberally to you and you will have wisdom but it comes from him listen to me church listen carefully dear ones listen to me dear ones seeking God and waiting to hear from him to listen to him is the wisest thing any man can do whether it's Christmas time or any other time. And just like the Magi, you will be following the star of David. Listen to his word. Listen to the word of God. Listen to his spirit through that still small voice. Listen to his prophetic voice when a prophet comes and speaks. And listen to his wisdom through godly counsel. Become a wise man this Christmas. Christmas. Listen to God first before you get in debt, before you party so much that you can't do anything else, before you go and fight them all. Listen to him first. But wise men, secondly, still look for him in all things. Remember in Samuel, a couple of few weeks ago when we were talking about, about Hannah and Samuel? And Samuel was young and he's living with Eli. He was in training and God kept speaking to him. And he would, 
is that you, Lord? He would go to Eli. He thought he was Eli. Is that you, Eli? No, no, it's, I, I didn't talk to you. Is that you, Eli? He'd call him again, and he'd say, no, no, it's not me. He said, that's God. Go back. That's God talking to you, Samuel. You see, we have to become like Samuel. We have to say, is that you, Lord? Have you ever been at a place in your life? Have you ever been in a situation in your life? Have doors closed in your life? Have things shut in your life? Have all of a sudden the check doesn't come in, the phone call doesn't happen, all of a sudden something's in front of you, it seems there's a roadblock. Have you ever stopped just for one second to say, is that you, Lord? Lord, is this you? You see, wise men still look for him in all things to speak to you in all things. Do you know that sometimes God has to allow us to get to the bottom of the barrel so that we will be forced to look up? Come on, church. He will allow you to make mistakes and make bad choices and do all of these things so that when you're at the bottom of the barrel, you are forced to look at him and call on him. And have you noticed that every time that we get to that place, that's exactly what we do. We call on him. When the economy's about to go down, when you lose your job, when, you, when, when, when there's illness, when there's this, every time, where do we normally go? We go to God. He has you at a place where you can say, Lord, it's only you. You're the only one who can change this. You're the only one who can handle this. But church, here's your message from the wise man today at this Christmas. Why wait? Why wait until that happens? Start now. Look for him now in all things and in all places. Is that you, Lord? And then lastly, wise men still bow down and worship him. They still bow down and worship the almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God. The great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. And the mountains peak Below to, belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Let us bow down this Christmas and worship him. Not all the not all of the embarras, excuse my French, of, of, of Christmas. Let us bow down and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords because it is about him and it is about that cross. It is about God coming to earth. It's about God arriving here on earth for our salvation. That is the Christmas story. That is the message. And wise men still bow down and worship him. Dear ones, listen to me, listen to me. The reason for the season, have you heard that? The reason for the season is worshiping the king and celebrating the king and exalting the king. Again, as last week, let this be your first Christmas. Worshiping the king, 
following the star. It's so easy to completely forget Jesus at Christmas time. Do y'all remember when it was popular to put X must? X must. And then there was a big revolt against that that said, don't take Christ out of Christmas. Well, guess what, dear ones? It's still so easy, and we still all do it. We take Christ out of Christmas. You can have a a cross tattooed on your forehead. You can have Christian written all over you. You can have a cross in your front yard. But it's so easy at Christmas time to take Christ out of Christmas. Now, listen to me. I'm not Mr. Scrooge. I don't, I'm not telling you as your pastor not to have fun and to have parties and enjoy your family and, and all of that. But remember the central figure. Wise men still worship Jesus. Wise men still see Christmas for what it is. Foolish men go the other route. Foolish men end up with credit card bills this high. Foolish men forget what this is about and get caught up in the emotion and the party atmosphere and all of the things, all of the trappings that go with it. Let's look for him this Christmas, church. Let's look for Jesus Christ. Let's bow down and worship our King. Let's make Christmas a time of celebrating the birth of our Savior. Now listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully, dear ones. Who is the wise man? Who is the innkeeper? Raise your hand. Let's do it in French. Say moi. Come on. Come on. Everyone stand. It's time to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords and to say, Lord Jesus, this Christmas is about you. I'm not a Scrooge. I said I don't mind. We have a Christmas tree. I don't mind presents. I don't mind parties and having fun and all that kind of stuff. But we need to worship the King of kings. And we need to say, Jesus, I love you and I adore you. And I want to be that wise man. I want to be that innkeeper and open up my heart this Christmas. Come on, dear ones. Who wants to join me in that kind of Christmas? Amen. Amen.